0: And so it's from that uh, that we go into uh, step eight, which is, and so that brings us uh, to step nine, uh, to steward all of my life for the glory of God. Uh, And as we talk about that, we ask the question, what does it mean to steward something? Uh, To steward something simply means to use it for God's intended purpose. And so we're asking the question here, what was it? that God intends to do with my life that depression and anxiety was getting in the way. I mean, depression and anxiety takes a lot of time. Time that God would like to see you use for more satisfying things. Things that you would enjoy much more and things that would advance His kingdom much more. Kind of a win-win relationship there. And so at this point, we're asking, we've begun to wrestle with this enough. We're asking, what would it look like? I've set a season aside to tackle this struggle. What's next? And that's where I think it's so important what Ed Welch says. Uh, He says the odd thing is that fear and anxiety are running away from something, but they don't know what to run to. They know danger, but they don't know where to find peace and rest and satisfaction and joy. It is as if fear needs to be replaced in our lives. And it is replaced by a simple question. Not that the journey has been easy, but it's replaced by a simple question. What does my father, the king, want me to do now? The goal is not the alleviation of anxiety, so much as it is the pursuit of God's purposes. If God's ways meant an increase in fear and anxiety, so be it. But of course the opposite is true. As we apply the gospel of peace, we will know peace. And so again, the picture as we get to this point in the journey, when we have struggled with something for a long time, our focal point becomes what we are running from. Any of you play chase when you were a kid? You know, that game where you play tag? There's kind of two ways you can play the game of chase. Uh, You can play the game of chase looking at what you're running from, um, in which case you don't tend to run in a very straight line. Your stride doesn't tend to be very true. And I had a very bad experience... Uh, there was a telephone pole. It wasn't the telephone pole. It was the grounding wire. Uh, um, it, when you're not looking where you're going, you run into things. So we can either do life looking at what we're running from or what we're running through. And when we look at what we're running to, we run straight. Our stride is true. We can avoid things. We may still get caught from time to time. That's going to happen. But life is so much more satisfying when we live it in light of what we are pursuing instead of what we're avoiding. And so in this chapter, what I invite you to do is just ask nine questions that help you identify what God's purpose for your life is. The first one is, am I willing to commit my life to whatever God asks of me? You know, this is the do not pass go question. If your answer is, I'm not sure, Or no? Don't be ashamed of that. Be honest about it. Have a conversation. Um, We all struggle with that question, do we not? And so, let's be honest, but that is the Lordship question and it's the one that's the entry gate to the other questions. And we ask questions like, what roles has God placed me in? The first part of stewarding your life for the glory of God is fulfilling the basic roles that God has placed you in. As parent, as son or daughter, as friend. uh, What are are those basic roles that that you can fulfill better? What are my spiritual gifts? Uh, What are the groups of people, maybe an age group, a struggle, a career, that, that I'm particularly burdened for? And I just say, my heart goes out to this. What am I passionate about? What are the things that when I get engaged with this, it is a net emotional win, not a net emotional loss? You've picked up on, for me, that's coaching. Anytime I'm out on the field with those kids, that is a net emotional win for me. Those are things that I'm passionate about. I want to leverage that for the glory of God. But it only makes sense that if I'm struggling with depression and anxiety, I want to engage with those things that I'm passionate about. What are the talents and abilities that God has blessed you with? What are your new unique life experiences? Where do my talents and passions match up with the needs in my church and community? And then finally, how would God have me bring these things together to glorify Him? You know, the idea that I want you to grasp. God is not putting you on the sideline until you deal with your depression or anxiety. God doesn't view it as a handicap, as a disability. He wants to use you in the process of overcoming and use everything that is developed in the process of learning uh, how to manage these emotions well to be part of what He uses to make your life satisfying uh, to you personally and productive for His kingdom. And I think so often this subject has become stigmatized in such a way that we just lose sight of that. And I hope this presentation has been a part of removing that. So just a couple of closing thoughts. Ed Welch, he says, if you're willing to be trained by it, expect depression to be a good teacher. This doesn't mean you should seek it out. And it certainly doesn't mean you shouldn't try to alleviate it. But most people who were willing to be taught by suffering look back and are grateful, not for the suffering, but for some of the treasures and jewels that came out of that, that they would say, "Yeah, I those things were very valuable. And Leslie Vernick, we will never be transformed into a different person, but we can, with God's help become the best version of ourselves, which is the person that God created us to be. There is nothing about the experience of depression and anxiety that prevents us from fulfilling everything that God made us to be when He knit us together uniquely in our mother's womb. There is nothing about the experience of depression and anxiety that, when God said He foresaw good things that we would do before the foundation of time, that we would walk in those things, and that was part. there is nothing about the experience of depression and anxiety that would preclude us or disqualify us from those things. And so what I would like to do as we conclude is just pray. Pray for every one of us and those that we might use this resource uh, in caring for. uh, That the byproduct would not just be relief. Not just what we are seeking to avoid. But a very satisfying sense of what we are pursuing. That even on days when we experience depression and anxiety, there would be facet of those things that we could say, today was good. uh, That I was able to enjoy it. And so if you would, pray with me. Lord, we come to You. And we are so relieved that we can come to You with sadness. We can come to You with fear. That You tell us in Psalm 56 that when we are afraid, we should come to You. That You are honored that in our fear that the first words on our mouth are Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy, help! You don't take that as an insult. You take that as a recognition that You are the source of our life and hope. And Lord, we pray that You would give us the emotional freedom that that brings. That when we experience depression and anxiety, that we would not be compounded by a false sense of shame. That we would be able to come to you with that. That we would know that you are with us. That you are for us. That we would be able to invite friends and loved ones into that. To know the experience of support that you would have. And Lord, that from that we would not lose a sense of purpose and identity and mission that would make life very satisfying. Lord, we admit the world is big. Life has challenges that are more than we know what to do with. And so we come to you in faith, saying we believe, help our unbelief. It's in your name we pray. Amen.